Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Hey everyone, I'm here before the episode starts to bring you learning moments with Amy. Now that I've been podcasting and advocating for a few years, my understanding of endometriosis, as well as the issues that our community faces, well, they've really evolved and progressed over the years. So I've been going through our earliest episodes because I want to make sure that these earliest published episodes have accurate information in them. Listening to this episode, I noticed that the language that we used describing our diet and lifestyle choices for endometriosis was different than what I'd say now. When we talked about all of our symptom triggers from sleep to stress to drinking cold water, we joked about how there's hundreds of rules that I have to follow if I don't want to be in debilitating pain. And we also talked about how I have this long list of prohibited foods and a much shorter list of permitted foods, as in the foods that make me sick and the foods that don't. And I also talked about how I felt like I made mistakes, and when I strayed from my food rules, it felt like I was making a mistake. So listening to that, right, like those language choices, rules, prohibited food list, mistake, That language, I think, is really indicative of how much pressure I felt back then to try to do everything in my power to try to avoid flares, and also about how much self-blame and guilt I felt when I couldn't perfectly follow them. And Brittany does point this out to me toward the end of the episode, but I wanted to bring this up prior to you listening because since we originally recorded this episode four years ago, The way that I feel about my diet and my lifestyle has changed a lot. When we recorded this episode, I had only been diagnosed with endometriosis for just a few months, and I was still really living from the mindset that I'd had for over a decade when I was undiagnosed, a mindset, you know, due to all of the gaslighting and the ableism and the healthism in our society, I really felt like it was my fault that I was sick that I had to do better, that I had to try harder, that I had to be more adequate. And maybe if I could do all of those things, then I would feel better. And this isn't true, right? This isn't true for me, and this isn't true for any of us. It's not our faults that we have this disease. And learning to take that blame off of myself and have self-compassion has been one of the biggest ways that I've grown and changed in the last few years. In episode 80, which I've linked in the show notes, we had a really good discussion around this and around how our personal beliefs about our diet and our lifestyle has changed over time. So even though chronic illness still does affect 
every single aspect of my life (laughs) and really, really affects how I feel, especially my diet and lifestyle affects the way that I feel. I don't feel like I have to follow a million rules anymore to prevent flares because they don't feel like rules anymore because I took that pressure off of myself. I don't say things anymore like prohibited foods or permitted foods or good foods or bad foods or safe foods or unsafe foods because they're all just foods. And some make me feel worse and some help me feel my best. And when I say feel my best, I don't mean that I feel great and that I'm skipping around carefree. Because even when I follow all of the quote unquote rules that I talk about in this episode, like even when I follow my way of eating and living, Even when I, to quote younger Amy, even when I do everything right, I still have flares and I still don't feel good because that's the nature of having multiple chronic illnesses. So I just wanted to point out all of that before we start this episode, that if I were to redo this episode, my language approach to it would change a little bit. But the message that we portray when talking about the rules the food list, etc. I think that message still stands very true because for some of us, endometriosis can and does impact every single corner of our lives. And that can really affect our mental health. And this is something that we talk about in the episode, how trying to manage symptoms 24-7, knowing that The way that we live can impact the way that we feel. It can be a heavy burden on a person's shoulders. It can be empowering, but it can also feel like a lot of responsibility. And just to be clear as well, when I talk about the rules and the food list, I am referring to my own diet and lifestyle choices that I've personally found that help me manage my symptoms. But there's not like any one correct food list or way that we should live or diet that we should follow. There's no one size fits all. We're all individuals and we all need to figure out what works for us. All right. Thanks for joining Learning Moments with Amy. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today, we want to talk about what it's like to actually live with endometriosis. Something that all of you listening probably already know <laughs> since you most of you listening already live with it's endometriosis. Difficult. <laughs> what is it like to live with endometriosis? Can't relate. <laughs> yes, you probably can. So the reason we really wanted to talk about this today is because we're gearing up for endometriosis awareness month, which Woo-hoo! is now in March, and we thought that this would be a really great episode for you to maybe share with others or to help other people understand what you may be experiencing on a monthly basis. Why would I want anyone to understand what I'm experiencing, (laughs) Brittany? Maybe we don't want them to also experience it, but I think it's important for people to understand. I mean, when we think about how hard it is to kind of express those really intense and deep thoughts, feelings, and emotions, I think it's a great way to give a resource that maybe will help people understand what you're experiencing because it's really hard to express that in a way that people will understand. I also think, too, that people can look online and they can see, oh, endometriosis, that some sufferers have painful sex and some sufferers have painful bowel movements and some sufferers have painful periods and 
like a hundred other things, and some of the lucky ones have all of that. <laughs> but I think it's really hard for a person who doesn't suffer from endo to understand what does painful sex really mean to someone suffering with that? How does it actually affect you and what does it actually feel like? And what's the physical, mental, and emotional toll that it takes on the person suffering with endo to live every single day with all these symptoms? So hopefully this is going to be a really shareable episode because in honor of March and Endometriosis Awareness Month, we really wanted to kind of make an episode that could help spread awareness about endometriosis and just what an average endo sufferer goes through. We don't deserve to live with these kind of challenges that we are now going to talk about. And these are challenges that I lived in for 16 years. And these are challenges that so many are living with worldwide. And it's unacceptable. Like we need access to expert medical care. So now we are going to unpack what it's like to live with endo. How big is that suitcase? <laughs> this podcast will be eight years long. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even a. It's not even a suitcase. It's this like is... <laughs> a closet in the basement of a dungeon. Yeah, of a ghost. And this this episode will air in eight hundred installments <laughs> on a planet that's been like atomically nuked where oh there's nothing left. got real serious real quick <laughs> where there's nothing left are but you talking about pluto we just pretend it's not real anymore <laughs> well the first thing that comes to my mind when i think about living with endo is how difficult overwhelming and sometimes ridiculous it is to accomplish a really basic everyday task Ooh. and that's something that most people take for granted that it's easy for them to go to the grocery store it's easy for them to go to sleep at night it's easy for them to walk around these are basic everyday common occurrences wait, wait, wait. it's easy it's easy for those people yes it's, huh <laughs> it's easy for people i know that there's just not one time around? a month where they can't walk around <laughs> it's a miracle oh my god but it's taken for granted and those are basic things that we have to consider. Person. I know. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> the first thing that pops in my head is the challenge of eating. What a challenge that is. Like for me personally, eating has been my biggest challenge for the past 16 years. It's not like you need to eat to survive or anything. Oh, no. You know, I just skip a meal. once. <laughs> cool. It'll be I just fine. eat once a month. You know? Actually, Amy and I have always <laughs> joked that like if we never had to eat again, that would be amazing <laughs> because... Eating is really, really difficult. For a lot of patients, endo comes with food intolerances. And then we also know that food in the body has a reaction. So food can act as medicine. And food can also act as a substance that causes inflammation, that disrupts our hormones, that gives us fatigue, that makes us feel really crappy. And this is one of the really big challenges with eating is that there are so many foods that just have a major effect on our bodies. For me, like I always would refer to this list of quote unquote prohibited foods. <laughs> the no-no foods. <laughs> and I'm like, this list is really, really long because there's so many foods in our diet that cause inflammation, that disrupt your hormones, that, you know, instead of giving energy, they rob you of energy because they're not nutrient dense. And so there's a super long list of foods that personally make me feel really sick. Sometimes just trying to figure out what to eat. <laughs> and sometimes even if you're following an anti-inflammatory diet or a paleo diet or a diet that is relatively good for you, then when your period comes, it's like there's nothing to eat. Like I know in my case, I followed a paleo diet. I could more or less feel energized, quote unquote, throughout the month. But then when my period was coming, 
I literally, I couldn't eat anything. I would have this constipation. I would start throwing up. Like I would have debilitating pain. And it turns out, unbeknownst to me, found out in my endosurgery that my large intestines, my sigmoid colon, my bowel, was fused to my back wall because of adhesions, right? So it's like, how on earth was food supposed to get through there? Because it was my actual intestines were being blocked by adhesions, by endometriosis. Silly adhesions. (laughs) That endo really didn't want you to eat. It's really hard for a lot of people with endo to figure out what to eat. And it's even harder when you eat something and either instantly or within a few hours, it gives you debilitating pain. Honestly, I had to repair my relationship with food because for so many years, I was terrified. And I do mean terrified. I was terrified to eat because it felt like everything that I eat caused cramps. And then I learned that if I cooked all my own food and I carried around in Tupperwares and everywhere I went, I just didn't eat anyone else's food and I only ate my quote unquote permitted food that I could, at least away from my period, avoid cramps. But then guess what? You have to carry around your Tupperwares everywhere, right? And she's not kidding. Vacation? (laughs) Tupperwares. The beach? Tupperwares. Work outing? Sorry, I'm not going to eat with you guys. Here's my Tupperware. (laughs) She means it. (laughs) It's hard work. And it's tiring. And it's, it feels like I'm being chained down by my Tupperwares. <laughs> You're going to, like, you Try ever see that commercial where they open a cupboard and all the Tupperwares, like, fall down on that? <laughs> going to get smothered by a pile of Tupperware. Well, and since we're on the topic of food, the next thing that I think of, which makes life with endo very hard, is bathroom time. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, doesn't everyone scream out in pain when they're having a bowel movement? Generally, no. Oh, maybe just other. <laughs> just us. <laughs> maybe just other who have endo, especially endo on their bowel. So let me get something straight. When I have a bowel movement, should it or should it not feel like a bunch of tiny daggers are coming out of my intestines? Should not. Definitely should not. Oh no. Yeah. So not only are you afraid of eating because it gives you cramps, now you're afraid of pooping it out. Because you have thousands of knives ripping out your insides as you do it. Well, at least what you're, a good system! Well, at least you're afraid of the whole cycle. Just be Brittany, terrified the start, whole time, <laughs> from start to finish. Okay. Oh, fear! It's so great. <laughs> and Joe, a life of fear, <laughs> a disease of fear. That's all it is. We should just change it to fear. It's like the worst horror movie you've ever experienced. That sounds like actually the worst scary movie I can imagine. Some guy breaks in your home. He's like, "Hello, I'm gonna hack you to bits." You're like, "Oh, whatever. <laughs> I don't care." <laughs> I had a bowel movement five minutes ago. Okay. It felt like I was being hacked a bit. So this is fine. That's what we should say when you're trying to explain endo to somebody and they're like, I don't understand what it is. Just imagine endo, the horror story. It's a scary movie, but it's real. <laughs> like, okay. Well, Brittany, what about sex? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I'm generally supposed to be like, oh, yay, sex is amazing, but... Oh, I love having I think sex. The, <laughs> I think the general yeah. consensus is, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's fine. And then other times it's not fine. <laughs> so is this another thing on the list of things that I'm very terrified of? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Constant fear. <laughs> no, but the Kama Sutra, wasn't it made as a book to try to find a position that didn't make them feel like they were being impaled by a knife? 
Yeah, I think that was the entire purpose of its writing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Going back in history, the author of the Kama Sutra was with Endo. (laughs) That would be actually amazing. (laughs) Trying to find a a position that is pleasurable or neutral. Or neutral. Just We don't even have to go for pleasure like orgasm. I don't care. Just please don't cause. Just not stabbing. (laughs) That's all we're asking for. (laughs) And by the way, one of the perks of pain with sex is... That the pain can continue after sex is finished. It doesn't just end when you're done. Oh, no, no. It's not just in the moment. (laughs) It's a pain that can linger and linger. It lasts and lasts and lasts. Sometimes hours. In my best case, I had cramps after having sex for 22 hours. I had to call out of work the next day. <laughs> oh, what a great reason to call out of work. So um, why are you calling out of work, Amy? Oh, I have this <clears throat> terrible cold <laughs> that I picked up last night at 6.30 p.m. <laughs> doggy style. <laughs> what kind of cold is that? <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> I don't want to pass that one around. <laughs> so I think as we've all ascertained at this point, There are many, 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 many rules to follow in order to have some semblance of a normal life. Oh, you mean many rules to follow to not be in pain all the time. Yeah, yeah, just to be normal. And to not be fatigued all the time. And sick all the time. And and to not have diarrhea all the time. Yeah, did I mention it was many, 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 many rules? I don't think you did. I don't think that part was clear to me. Why Many rules. Why are there so many rules? Oh, because those really... Are there many, many challenges? Mm, is it very, is it very a, complicated? Is it a condition that affects your entire body? <laughs> I think it might. So what are some of these rules, Brittany? And I mean rules specific to me and you, because to be clear, there are no set rules or like a right or wrong way to manage endometriosis symptoms. It's all individual to each person. And I know when I say rules, it makes it sound like I have to abide by these. And actually what I do is I make a choice and a commitment to have this way of living, to follow the diet that I do and to have the routines that I have, but also like the pressure that I feel to do these things so that I'm not writhing in pain (sighs) 24-7. So certainly they feel like rules. I twitch. Oh, gosh. Okay. So as we've covered, must eat a personally approved diet. Okay, in my own case, must not ever eat in restaurants because that means mm-hmm. not following the perfectly approved diet. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you had one. Oh, go ooh, for it. Oh, go for it. Must not drink anything but water. Fair. Must schedule sex around period and ovulation. That's a fun one. You know, just pencil oh. it on the calendar. <laughs> or if possible, avoid it. At or all just costs. like have like, all right, I got a five day window. That's all you got. <laughs> Must sleep eight hours every night at the same time so that my circadian and body rhythms do not get off beat. Speaking of, uh, must maintain <laughs> oh my. stress levels. <laughs> stress breeds pain. Breathe. Don't be stressed. Breathe in stress medicine. Don't be stressed. <laughs> must, must meditate at all times. Yes. <laughs> and some kind of exercise, whether that's the meditation or the yoga or the whatever you can do. You can't skip it. 
So what happens if I what happens if I don't do it? What if, if I don't you don't follow, follow the, the many, 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 <laughs> many, 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 it's going to suck <laughs> real bad. <laughs> You're going to be rewarded with the best prize you could ever imagine. Wait, raging cramps? Raging cramps, you got it. <laughs> I love raging cramps. Oh, my God. Every Christmas, I'm like, what did I Dear get? Santa, <laughs> please give me raging cramps. I'll be, Granted. Sure, I'll be Granted. sure to put out the extra chocolate chip cookies that you love. God knows I'm not eating them because they're not a, they're not a permitted food. So yes, that's what your present gift reward is when you make a mistake. So congratulations that you have to follow everything and still sometimes it doesn't always go according to plan. So you mentioned the many, 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 many rules. Times 300, yes. That are a little bit different for all of us because we all have different bodies and our bodies react to different things. And in some ways, in some ways it's really empowering. Like now that I've got to know my endo... He's wow, so something you really want. He's so handsome. <laughs> he loves wearing stripes. And he loves sticking around. <laughs> His favorite color is red. Not surprising. <laughs> and he always carries a sword. And he has a great personality. He thinks it makes him a gentleman. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> when I don't follow the rules, he impales me. Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> but it is very empowering. Now that I've learned like my endo, my situation, my body, which has taken years of trial and error, it's empowering to know, okay, sugar affects my hormones. Weed affects my hormones. Like steak will make my period not come. If I don't sleep eight hours, I'll be so fatigued. I can't function. Like it's empowering to know what I personally have to do for myself to live my healthiest life possible. But it's also really hard. Often I don't feel like I'm, oh, I'm just like being really healthy. I feel like my entire world is wrapped around preventing pain. It's like pain is just lurking in the corner in the shadows waiting to pop out. <laughs> That's because it's an endo horror story, Oh, Brittany. yeah, this is our scary movie. <laughs> pain is lurking. Our life what is a, a word. scary Lur- movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a good word. All right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> pain is lurking everywhere. And it's a huge responsibility on me. Like, it's empowering. It's so empowering that I can do something to help my situation and to help my health. But it's also a huge responsibility. And with that pain lurking, it leaves no room for flexibility, right? Like I can't follow this 80-20 rule that a lot of people follow. Like, oh yeah, I do paleo. I'm gluten-free, but I'm 80-20 because when I go out in a restaurant, you know, if there's bread, I just eat it because it's easier. If I go on vacation, then I stop following the paleo diet because it's hard to eat paleo when I'm out. It's like I can never, if I want to try to have any semblance of a normal life, I can never be 80-20. Like I'm 100 up. Zero. <laughs> I'm 100. <laughs> zero. I'm 100, 100. <laughs> I am 100, zero all the time because there are huge huge, 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 million huge, the way Brittany said, the way it rules. <laughs> huge consequences for deviating from all the rules. And it's not worth it to me to deviate from the rules. So I'd rather carry around my bazillion Tupperwares and have my backpack and leave a party early and say, oh, it's 1030. I turn into a pumpkin now. I have to go. (laughs) Because I want to try to have a normal life. And when I make a mistake, you know, like, you know the thing humans do where they make a mistake and they're Wait, not- humans aren't perfect? Yeah. And you know when they're not perfect and they do something like, you know when I make a decision, a quote unquote wrong decision because 
actually know what the quote unquote right decision is. Like, okay, I know that I shouldn't eat, I don't know, that bowl of cottage cheese. But then I'm like, "Mm, well, it's just a little. I'll just I'll just eat it. And then later I face huge consequences. And you know how that makes me feel? Makes me feel disappointed in myself. I feel guilty because I knew when I picked up that measly tiny cup of cottage cheese, I knew it would do this to me because I know what different foods do to me now after so many years. I know that dairy disrupts my hormones and I know that my period will show up several days late, but the symptoms will still start at the same freaking time that they were supposed to start, but then the actual bleeding won't come till like five days later. And so I'll have like a week longer of pre-period hell. I'll have a killer migraine. I'll have brain fog that can't even think like, oh, what? what's your name? Uh, let me consult what's written on my hand <laughs> because I actually don't remember my own freaking name. You know, killer backache. Even I get arthritis pain in my fingers. Thank you, fibromyalgia. And I feel like it's my fault because I knew that was going to happen. And then I ate the stupid cottage cheese anyway. Well, now it doesn't feel like a good decision, <laughs> does it? But in the moment, you know what? I'm human. I saw it and I wanted it. And sometimes you just you just want something. You just want the creamy taste of cottage cheese in your mouth, especially if it's flavored like pineapple. Well, I think if this podcast episode has been shared with you and you're listening and you're thinking. And if it hasn't been shared, go share it. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you haven't shared it with somebody, go share it. But if you're listening to this and it has been shared with just you. Just go outside on your roof and turn and up. Scream it. And just put on your, everyone listen. <laughs> just turn up your speakers really, really loud. Force your neighbors to understand endometriosis. Well, I think you may be thinking like, mm, yeah, sure. A little bit of cottage cheese probably didn't. You're probably exaggerating. Like, no, this is not an exaggeration. Don't ever say to me that I exaggerate. <laughs> There is no exaggeration on one thing can entirely derail how your period plays out. Because it's true. Mm-hmm. This is true, not being dramatic, not being over the top. Oh, my God. I can this see is the, a regular experience. I can see the book title right here. True life with endo. Every single decision that you make has immediate <laughs> and painful consequences. This is not a drama. <laughs> this is not a drill, people. <laughs> Evacuate the building or you will be burned in flames. <laughs> if you ever call me over dramatic. You will be ended. <laughs> By endo. By endo. I'll sick it on you. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Can you imagine if you could actually like use it for your benefit? Like that would be amazing if it was like a superpower. Like I might rethink that. <laughs> so now that we've covered the extensive things that happen to our bodies. Well, we just decided to cut it short because otherwise this episode would have been really long. Really yeah, like I said, move on. eight years long. So we've touched on some of the main things, but not all the things. We've given you the table of contents. Of this is just a taste. <laughs> of a really this long. This is the first course <laughs> of a approved meal, obviously. But now we want to talk a little bit about the emotional and psychological side of having endometriosis. That's my favorite side. The emotional side. Um, let's start with I'm really, really tired, Brittany. I'm tired. Being in pain is is tiring. Everything is harder. When you're in pain, life is harder. Work is harder. Being a good partner is harder. Whatever role, whatever things you need to do, the tasks you need to accomplish, going to the grocery store is harder. Driving is hard. Everything. Everything is harder when you are in pain. Trying to live a daily life with pain is exhausting. Well, and to add to it, I feel like society has taught us that we have to pretend that we don't feel as bad as we do. 
I personally feel like I have to slap a big smile on my face. Stay positive. Blah, blah, blah. I've found that it seems like no one wants me to express how I really feel because that makes me a burden, draining, a complainer. I remember things that friends and boyfriends told me when I opened up to them about like how I feel about living with this illness. And my own personal experience, I just I feel like people tire of hearing about illness and they tired of my attitude toward it, which maybe wasn't the best, but it was the best I could do at the time. And then they tired of me. And it's really damaging to be told that you're those things by friends and partners. And I feel like people don't want to be around somebody who isn't happy or presents a challenge or is seen as a drag or someone who's sick or needs special accommodations. Well, it's just part of our society Mm because I just feel like this societal, you know, when people say, how are you? No one really wants you to say how you are. I don't want to actually know how you are. They just want you to go, oh, yeah, I'm good. Right. And they're like, oh, good. Me too. And then walk away. Like, I just feel like people. And of course, it depends where you are and what role you're in. Like, if your boss asks you, how are you? You're like, oh, I'm great. You know, you're not going to be like, <laughs> well, actually, I was up until five in the morning because I had raging endo pain. And now I'm really pooped and exhausted. <laughs> yeah, like time and place. <laughs> but I just also feel like with friends and family, with, with people close to us, it can be really it can just be really hard to open up because in my experience, and you may have found something different, but if I continually share how like how I'm really feeling, it's kind of a turnoff to people like people. But if I if I say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in pain, but it's fine. I'm going to pull through it. If if I put on that fake smile that if I'm really positive, then people are like, oh, wow, you inspire me. Oh, you're so motivating. Wow. It's incredible what you do in the face of your challenges. It can be really challenging to hear that because sometimes when people are saying that, you're screaming inside, like, just give me five minutes to tell you how I really feel and what it's really like every day for me. Well, exactly. I mean, I'm not advocating for us to just go out and be whining and, oh, I'm a victim and woe is me. You know, it's like a balance. Mm -hmm. It's good to have a positive attitude or to approach things positively. Yeah. yeah, And to smile and try to see the bright side when you can. But sometimes it's really, really dark. And I think we also need to be able to just open up when things are too tiring or too overwhelming without like getting this pushback about, oh, you know, just see the bright side. (laughs) You know, it can't be that bad or like, don't be people have it worse. You're so draining. Newsflash. Endometriosis is draining. That's why it's draining me. Endometriosis is a burden. And sometimes I just want to complain just for like two minutes about how terrible I feel. Sometimes I just want to say how terrified I am of my period coming and how like that never changes. It never, ever gets any easier to go through my period. And I am terrified every single month. And sometimes I just want to be honest about that. I don't want to just put on my fake smile and just be like, oh, yeah, my period's coming tomorrow. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine and I will get through it, but it's scary. And sometimes we just need the space to open up and show how we really feel. And to be heard. Which is why I talk to my journal. (laughs) Because my journal never says I'm a burden. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the most difficult thing for people without endometriosis is understanding the magnitude of the physical pain that a person experiences. When we talk about 
periods and specifically periods with endometriosis, we can talk about the magnitude of the pain and things that it have been compared to before. There is a reason why they say it can be as bad as or worse than contractions when giving birth. So it's no joke that these are very serious cramps, but they're very hard for others to relate to. <gasps> Recently, I saw that the NHS named endometriosis in the top 20 most painful conditions. Wow, that's amazing. Can suffer. Wow. <laughs> Recognition. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. My, my pain is real. <laughs> I've never given birth, so I haven't had labor contractions, but I have had kidney stones. I've had nine kidney stones over the course of several years. Thank you, chronic diarrhea and chronic dehydration for causing those. Okay, two things. Like One, kidney stones hurt like really, really bad, and I would take a kidney stone in a heartbeat over my period, and two... If you said, oh, I have a kid, like if you called into work and you were like, I have a kidney stone, they'd be like, oh my gosh, stay home. Take the day. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Or the week yeah. or whatever it takes to pass it. Like, you know, take the time off. Like I really, it would give you a lot of empathy, I feel like. And people know that kidney stones are painful. Like people know that. You're like, kidney stone, like, ooh, that must have hurt. Ooh. Everyone knows what I it's don't like. E I don't yeah. envy you, you know? And then you're like. People have empathy and sympathy for that. And you're like, oh, my period is coming. And they're like, oh, big whoop. You're like, no, not big whoop. <laughs> big, big, big whoop. <laughs> the biggest whoop of all. <laughs> well, when you say, yeah, I'm about to experience pain that's worse than a kidney stone, half the population can't relate to that pain at all because they don't have a uterus. And the other percentage that can relate doesn't have cramps that are as serious and they can only relate them to what they've experienced. Honestly, it really frustrates me the lack of empathy that we can receive from other people. Empathy and compassion. And some people even identify with the pain, saying things like, oh, my period hurts too. I just had to take the lowest dose over-the-counter medication just so I could go to the gym and run on the treadmill for the next 30 minutes. I mean, come on. Periods are so disruptive. <laughs> uh, must control our control rage is choking out motion. to strangle you must not get arrested for assault endometriosis in prisons do not go well <laughs> that's what i've heard at least i would understand that yeah let's break that down for a second because there's a lot going on in that statement so in order to address pain there's a handy little thing called a prescription painkiller, Ooh, which works for like most Hold people. Hold on, wait a minute. Which you get from your doctor. For your doctor. Not, like, I got some over-the-counter medicine from the grocery store. Like, no, no, no. We no, mean no. We're the doctor the real <laughs> prescribed stuff. you the hardcore <laughs> stuff. But wait, you think, oh, that's great. <laughs> no, no, no. Most of the time, some of the time, any of the time, it doesn't even touch the pain. So if you're lucky enough to have a prescription medication that does actually help dull that pain, then that's awesome. But an over-the-counter medication is not going to do anything. So the fact that that's what helped her period cramps. That's great for her. Great for her. Great. You went to the gym. But not great. relatable at all. Great. She went to the gym, Brittany. You know, the gym. Hold on, During did, her period. Hold on, I'm a little confused. Is the gym like the new slang word for a really comfortable bed with a yeah. bucket for puking? Is that like where you wear like... a diaper in case you poop yourself? Is, is there a heating pad at the gym? I'm a there confused. better be. Hold on. I'm sorry. Where are you going again? Yeah, you're not laying on your couch screaming? 
oh, okay. <laughs> Let me tell you what happens. You as in the girl who goes to the gym. Let me tell gym girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's her name now. <laughs> Let me tell her what happens when many endo sufferers get their period. Just talking from personal experience here. For two full days, I mean full days, I mean like not eight to five days, like 48 solid hours. Actual full days. I can barely go to the toilet unassisted on my period. That means lifting myself out of bed. Well, first, that means putting the covers off. That's a big task in and of okay. itself. Effort. All this. Those are very heavy blankets when you're in the middle of a period. <laughs> core movement, not my strength right now. Out of the picture. It involves walking to the toilet, hunched over, because I can't sit up straight, because that's how much pain we're in. It involves bending to sit on the toilet. It involves using my strength to pull my pants up after using the toilet. It involves getting up from the toilet, getting back to the bed, getting in the bed, which is in out of bed is the hardest part ever. And then not to mention actually using the toilet. Well, if you're a member from the beginning of the episode, that can be a really, really, really scary thing. Why, Brittany? Behind door number one. Serious burning and wincing. And behind door number two. Daggers and screaming. Yeah, it's like a game show. Which door do you choose? Ooh, spin the wheel. Which pain experience are you going to have first? And behind door number three. That's when you throw up at the same time. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm standing up now. So my body's like, oh, it's time. (laughs) For many with endo, our periods are devastating. They're debilitating and crippling. And the worst part is they're inescapable. At least in a horror movie, when the hacker comes through the door, like the guy who's going to hack you, not like a coder. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for differentiating. (laughs) When the hacker with his big sword comes through the door, you can try to run away. You You have a chance to escape. You jump out the window. Maybe you break both your legs and then you're crawling down the sidewalk just using your arms. And that sounds like trying to get to the bathroom sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did I just talk about that? Yeah, I think. Like 30 seconds. Yeah. But what we're saying is you have a chance to escape from a masked murderer. Hopefully. This is pretty violent. (laughs) (laughs) This is going dark. But you know what? Our period, there's no escaping that. But it's something that comes every single month. Sometimes it comes more often than my paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) And you know the worst part? I know I keep saying, and the worst part, but because there's so many worst parts, but you know, I just keep finding more worst parts. And the worst part is when I go through it alone. Many of us, we don't live with anyone. We're single or we don't live with our significant other. We don't live with our families. Our there's periods one tiny little downside. <laughs> and we can't get to the toilet by ourselves. <laughs> when like the plumber comes over, I'm like, oh, my toilet broke. He's like, oh, is there a cot? On the floor of your toilet? I mean, of your Long bathroom? story. Well, I just put that out sometimes. <laughs> Once a month, I set up my special sleeping spot. <laughs> it's like camping. <laughs> glamping. <laughs> so terrible. It's not glamorous at all. Friends don't come over to help with these intimate moments of pain. Talking about endo makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable and awkward and sad oh god forbid oh, they feel uncomfortable oh, boo-hoo. 
Imagine coming over to live our recurring nightmare with us. People don't want to do that. It freaks them out. I can't blame them. I don't them. blame them. I'm freaked out. I don't even want to look in the mirror when but I But I have out. to deal with it. <laughs> so I'm alone. And I think a lot of us are alone in these moments, in the worst days of our lives. Days that repeat themselves. Chapter in this book. What did we say the book was called? I forgot. We're only at the table of conduct. It's like all chapter that matters two. is that it's the scariest book you'll ever read. <laughs> is a chapter in the book that never ends that is read and reread and reread until you can't even see the words on the page anymore. The page is all crinkled. It's like half ripped out. But guess what? We know the story by heart. So I think that's what makes it really hard. It's really hard because people don't understand the depth of the pain we go through or how bitterly sad you can feel before, during, or after experiencing it. Or how a lot of us cannot breathe in the days before our period, knowing that that pain will come. But guess what, Brittany? During that time, make sure that you always stay positive. Keep a really big smile on your face. Girl, why aren't you smiling? You're so much prettier when you smile. Hold on. Let me get that ruler out because I swear (laughs) that you could do at least seven inches of smile and I'm only seeing four. You're so much prettier when you smile. How are you doing today? Because I'm doing so good. Let me tell you, I'm just doing good. I approach everything with a positive attitude and then nothing ever bothers me. You should try it. You should try being strangled. (laughs) Keep up to date on all your responsibilities. Don't get behind at work. Don't get behind in life. Don't get fired. Make sure you have food in the fridge and clean clothes and your cat or dog or children, especially if you have children, have enough food. Stay positive, Brittany. Do all of that also in pain. You'll be fine. And look beautiful when you do it. <laughs> of course, because you're a woman and you're expected Red to just be always perfect because that's lips. all your worth is. Black eyeliner. Wow, you get really have an aesthetic going here. <laughs> well, that's the woman on the billboard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you look really thin when you're wayfish. Wayfish. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> So I know that we've made a lot of jokes about endo, and I guess it's just the way that I found to deal with this over the years, like to deal with the struggle. This is a really hard disease to live with, and there was a time when all of these challenges, when all of this pain just swallowed me up. I was depressed for years. I hated everything. I hated life. I felt so much rage. And there was even a time for a moment when I was in so much pain all the time for months on end and I saw no hope and no way out that I even thought for a minute about suicide. And that is horrible that this kind of pain can lead you to that kind of thoughts. And in that moment, in a really long contemplation, I really said, I didn't, I didn't want to die. What I really wanted was to live without suffering. And I realized the question wasn't, do I want to end my life, but how do I end my suffering? And this has led me to fill, and I mean fill my shelves with self-help books and start doing yoga and meditation and to learn about gratitude and mindfulness and self-acceptance and to go on silent meditation retreats and these long hikes in nature and even to go live in the rainforest in Ecuador in this journey of self-acceptance and acceptance of my life and acceptance of endo and acceptance of 
all the crap that I have been dealt and all that I have to live with. I think this is part of living with Hemtel. And I don't mean the depressed part, but the struggle to accept yourself and accept the hand that you've been dealt and to accept that this is your life and this is how it's going to be. But acceptance doesn't mean resignation or giving up or being like, okay, well, this is it and this is all I'm going to ever have. Right. I think that's very important to point out. It's important to continue to make choices that progress you towards the goal, which is to suffer less. Yeah, to feel better. Yeah. You, you can't change the fact that you have endo. Nothing you can do will change that. But if you can accept that this is part of your life, but there are things you can do to improve how it impacts your life, then it can really release you from a lot of that mental and emotional turmoil that comes along with a disease like this. I think when you have endo, many people learn to change their attitudes and their perspectives on life. At least I know we have <laughs> personally. Like Amy said, we laugh about a lot of things and we joke, but that's... Do we? I think we're pretty funny. <laughs> I don't think you have... I'm sorry, Brittany, but... I'm very dry. Break it to you. you do not have a sense of humor Oh, no. All. I'm sorry you should kick me off the podcast. I'm actually considering replacing my <laughs> podcast co-host for someone With a who's cat. a little more funny. <laughs> Suki. <laughs> <laughs> meow. Yeah, I'm like, what's it like to have endo baby? And she'll be like, meow. <laughs> but I think, I think the, you know, we say people tell you to stay positive. But what we mean is that internal positivity and deciding how you want to approach something is very different from being told you should be happy about something. But we had to learn to stop feeling bad for ourselves and instead start to see that the purpose was the strength and how I was making decisions to get through it and how you decided to read books and try meditation and try all of these different things to improve how you're feeling. Well, it takes courage to get through our pain. It takes strength to get up in the morning and to get through our day. I feel like in the face of endo, all of those years when I felt depressed and if you'd asked me, I never would have been like, oh, I'm strong or, oh, I have so much courage. Like, it was basically like everything sucks and I hate everything and I just hate my life. But without even knowing it, I was cultivating all of this inner strength that then in this like really climactic moment, I had this epiphany, right? I was sitting there thinking about suicide, like, hmm. I really, I just don't want to suffer anymore. And I had this idea like, then, okay, you know what? Then just don't suffer anymore. Well, it was a lot more in depth than that. It's like, <laughs> wow, that sounds was, really easy. <laughs> it's very long. I just sat there for hours thinking about so many things. And I actually have written like a whole little mini book about that moment and like how I came to these conclusions. But they basically came down to all these things that you hear all the time. Like the way that you face your challenges is, it's your attitude that you can be proud of, and it's the effort that you put in. And sometimes it feels like we're, like, I know I didn't feel like I was making any strides. And, and like I said, I didn't feel like I had this inner strength. I didn't feel like I, but I was cultivating through all these challenges, all of this inner strength. And then one day I just somehow, I realized that. And it was like, screw it. I'm just, I'm tired of you being in charge of my life. See, it's not this fake positivity. It's, what is it? It's like inner, it's just this inner power. Yeah, or something. it's this power inside of you to be like, 
everything is really hard and everything sucks, but I'm going to get up anyway and I'm going to do it anyway. You can do I'm, this. I'm, you can do this. I'm going to smile do this. anyway and I'm going to get through my day. And I would tell myself that you can do this all the time. I was telling myself, okay, you can do this. I would be teaching. I used to teach English and I would be in the classroom and I would be feeling so down and I would be in pain and I would turn to the blackboard and I would start just like writing something up because I would start like having tears come to my eyes and I'd be wiping my tears and I'd be like, oh my God, don't let the kids see you. And I would be just writing something and I'd be telling myself under my breath, you can do this, you know, and then I would be out with my friends and I would be like, I'm having the worst day. Like I'm in a lot of pain and I would go in the bathroom where I could have a little bit of privacy and I would basically I would be in the stall crying and I would be telling myself, you can do this. And before my period comes and I tell myself, you can do this. We can do this. Like we can do this and we are doing this. And we have this amazing inner strength, whether we realize it or we don't realize it. For having endo and getting through our days, we are strong. Like what's it like to live with endo? It's being really, really strong. Like it is being this amazing warrior. We also need to really believe in our ability to get through it and really believe that we are the fighter and the warrior and that you can conquer and live through the experience. We also really need to learn to be compassionate and kind to ourselves. I mean, it's already hard enough to live up against media's expectations and the world's expectations of you, never mind having to do that with an added layer of complications and pain and other experiences. But we are not inadequate. We are not less than. We are not worthless because of the pain we experience or because life is really, really hard. So we need to learn to be kind to ourselves. And sometimes that means getting to laugh at how ridiculous an experience you had was. And you bled all over something or (laughs) you didn't make it to the toilet in time or something hilarious happened to you. And not feeling guilty or feeling angry at ourselves for not being perfect and having a human experience where we don't follow the rules to the 300th power, you know, those many rules. And I think we need to forgive ourselves and not hold on to the fact that something went wrong. You didn't do anything to deserve endometriosis. You can't hold that against yourself. And you need to forgive yourself for maybe you got too quick to anger at a friend because your period was minutes away. Maybe you went through something really traumatic with a pain and you had to miss an engagement that you really wanted to be at. You have to forgive yourself because it's not your fault. So when I eat cottage cheese and I totally screw my period, I need to be self-compassionate and realize that I'm only human instead of beating myself up and feeling mad at myself and disappointed that I wasn't perfect. I think you can say, well, next time maybe I won't do that. But in that moment, all you need to do is give yourself the space to say like, okay, this happened. I'm going to make a different decision next time. But you cannot beat yourself up about it because that's not going to solve anything. It's not going to make it better. And as we said in the beginning, stress gives pain. So the more you (laughs) stress yourself out, the worse it's going to be. So, yes, we have to learn to forgive ourselves, period, and we have to learn to love ourselves, and we can't hold anything 
against ourselves, especially when it has to do with a pain that we didn't ask for and that we don't deserve. Wow, Brittany, what you said was, first of all, just so beautiful. You've redeemed yourself as podcast (laughs) co-host. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm so scared. No, but really, that was really beautiful what you said. And it's really true. And I think it's extraordinarily hard to learn how to stop judging ourselves and to accept and to be compassionate with ourselves. And you reminded me of something that happened a couple of months before I found my endo surgeon. At that time, I still wasn't diagnosed with endo. I realized that something was like really seriously wrong with me based on the severity of, you know, my period. Everything. <laughs> yeah, my period and those like three crippling days of pain, et cetera. And I started my search again to going to these different gynecologists because I didn't realize that there was expert care. I didn't realize that there were gynecologists that actually specialize in endometriosis. So I was just going to like my local gynecologist and telling them what was happening with me. And they they didn't really know. And I remember one of them, the second one I went to was this really nice woman. She was older, maybe like in her 60s. And she was really compassionate. She was really just so caring. And I had like a, like basically had like a breakdown. And I was telling her about all my symptoms and the painful sex and the painful bowel movements and the painful period. And I was sobbing and I was telling her and I just don't understand because I am following all of these rules, you know, and I eat anti-inflammatory and I go to bed every night and I sleep eight hours and I exercise and I meditate and I, I just don't understand like I'm getting worse and the pain is out of this world. She was so caring and she just looked me in the eye like I was like she didn't look past me like she looked at me like I was this real human being that she cared about like as if I was her daughter or something. She put her hand on my shoulder and she said, I am so sorry that you go through that. And I honestly, I don't know how to help you, but I want you to know that you should be so proud of yourself for the way that you're taking care of yourself. Like, honey, you should be really, really proud. And then she left the room. You know, we finished our consult. And then I was... If I thought I was sobbing before, like I was surprised, I was super like, I'm like, do you guys need this exam room? Do you have a patient coming after me? Because I'm going to need to sob in here for at least probably I'm going to need fluids and an oxygen tank later. <laughs> okay. I'm going to need an IV. The I'm le- going to be dehydrated from all these tears. <laughs> I totally lost it because the level of kindness and compassion that she spoke to me with and also her message, like. No one had ever said to me how proud I should feel of myself. All I've done is beat myself up, feel disappointed in myself that I wasn't perfect, making all the perfect decisions all the time, feel inadequate because I had all these things wrong with me and I had no idea why and I had no idea how to fix them. Her words, I mean, they seriously moved me. And sometimes in our lives, we don't don't have people giving us this level of support at all times. And just for her to say, you're doing an excellent job and you should be so proud of yourself. Those words have just stuck with me through everything. Really scary moments in my life. You know, they found the 12 centimeter endometrioma, this with a grapefruit. They thought it might be cancer. I got referred to the oncologist. I had two surgeries. So many scary moments that I'm sure that you can relate to. You've had your own scary moments. Instead of just like beating myself up, 
I could just hear her words. You should be so proud of yourself. And that's what I'm holding on to in the midst of all the endo and the symptoms and the painful sex and the painful bowel movements and just so much pain and the sleepless nights and the fatigue and everything. I'm holding on to, I should be proud of myself because it is so hard to live with this illness. So, so hard. And we are doing it. We are doing it. And we're rocking it. And you may not feel like you're rocking it. Certainly, I didn't feel like I was rocking. I felt like I was making every decision wrong and I was just doing everything wrong. But we're learning as we go and we're doing our best and we should be proud of that. So I want you to know that you should be so proud of yourselves. So if you're listening right now and you have endometriosis, the most important thing to take away from this is to be proud of how far you've come and how far you have the potential to go. If this has been forwarded to you by somebody who has endometriosis. First of all, congratulate them for sharing our podcast. Thank you. (laughs) But please understand that the littlest amount of compassion goes such a long way to somebody who feels starved of being understood. And if you can just genuinely listen to the person in your life that has endometriosis when they say how they feel or what they're experiencing, and you can just be there for them. Don't try to understand because you probably can't. Don't try to relate because you probably can't. But just listen and say you're sorry that it sucks so bad, but you're there for them and you're proud of them that they're taking steps to feel better. Honestly, that would make all the difference. So if you're listening to this because you know someone with endo, my takeaway to you is to just be a really good listener and to really genuinely care. Oh my God, am I allowed to cry on the podcast? Brittany, I, yes. I'm serious. I, oh my God, I'm feeling emotional. Um, oh, Brittany, <laughs> you're so beautiful. Well, I don't want you to cry, but <laughs> I mean, I really mean it. And I really mean a big, huge hug to everybody out there that is suffering with endometriosis or trying to understand somebody in your life that's suffering with endometriosis because. A big hug to you for trying. That's a really big step. As you may have heard from the person, not a lot of people try to understand how we feel and what's going on. So if you, though, feel this pain and you feel this being lost or being alone, you're not alone. We're all here and we're all here together. And you are really, really strong to even survive day to day with this illness. And you should be really, really proud that you are taking steps and listening to this podcast first. That's a great step in the right direction. But you're taking steps to feel better and to improve your quality of life. Well, and I love what you said about how far we can still go. And like I said in the beginning, sometimes it feels hopeless. It feels like we're at rock bottom. We're at our wits end. Like, where can I go from here? So I want to reiterate that there is expert care out there. Sometimes it can be hard to access insurance reasons, money reasons, depending on where the doctor's located, where you're living. But expert care is out there. Hope is out there. And we're rooting for you. And I think hope is out there as well for finding ways to improve our emotional experience with endometriosis. I mentioned my depression from living with symptoms 24-7. And and in the last few years, honestly, my mental health has improved drastically because 
I've been learning tools to cope. And you know, I said earlier that I had this climatic moment where I was thinking about ending my life when after many hours of thinking, like, I decided that I didn't want to suffer anymore. And I feel like I should explain that further because I don't want to feed into the notion that mental health is just like your attitude and that you can just stop being depressed if you have a better attitude because that notion is harmful. So when I decided, quote unquote, that I didn't want to suffer anymore, it wasn't like I just stopped suffering. I wasn't just like, okay, I'm not going to suffer anymore. Poof, I don't suffer. Rather, it was a realization that if I was going to make it, like if I was going to keep living and surviving with this disease, that I needed to find peace and acceptance with endometriosis. And to do so, I needed tools. Tools that I didn't have, right? So tools like I needed to learn better coping mechanisms because the ones that I had were very unhealthy and they were very destructive. I needed to learn to process my trauma and to get out of fight or flight mode and to get out of the constant state of hypervigilance. I needed to get support from a mental health professional and I needed to look at my distorted thought patterns, all the criticism and the judgment and the why me and like feeling like a victim and And also I needed to find gratitude and meaning and joy and things that had really been lacking in my life. So really what I realized that day was that my emotional experience with this disease could change. And when it did, that can result in me suffering less. And that was a huge epiphany for me because for years I had thought that the way that I felt about everything, like about my life, about my endometriosis, about myself... I had just thought that was set in stone, and I didn't know that I could work toward changing that. And I'm still learning these tools, and I'm still learning what tools I need. But just in the past few years, my anxiety and my depression has improved tenfold. And now even with severe symptoms, I am suffering a lot less. It's a really welcome change, and it's also really beautiful. So Brittany and I, we're here. And feel free to reach out. We're on Instagram in 16 years of endo and we're on the website in 16 years.com. And from there, you can connect with us as well via email. We love hearing from you. Some of you have reached out to us and you've let us know that you love the podcast or you've opened up conversation and we love hearing from you. Like, I love when I get a message. I'm it's like, a highlight of our like, day. Brittany, I got a message on Instagram. We love it. And we're like, oh my gosh, let's look. Let's see what they said. Let's talk back. Like, we love engaging with this community that we've been so lucky to be a part of. So thank you so much for listening. This month is March, Endometriosis Awareness Month. So if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and share it with people. Let people know this is the month. Raise the awareness. This is the month to shout from the rooftop. That time is now. And you can tell them, like, if people are like, why are you talking about that? Be like, because it's endometriosis awareness month. So please go ahead. If you love the podcast, share the podcast with others. Find us, like I said, on Instagram, on email. Share with us what you love too. And we will talk to you next time. 